right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lefko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lefko and Chris I am so confused right now, man. Gosh. So we, me and Sims, we've been on the road. We go to Oxnard, California Lower to see his Dallas. volume because he's really no, loud. I'm loud. We go see Dallas. We go see Oakland. We see San Fran. We see Seattle. We do a podcast while we're on the road in the car right. on the way to Oakland. Right. Then we do another one as like a second version and now I'm finding out for the first time that neither of them published. Good thing, because it wasn't our element. I think we were both tired from everything we had on a podcast from the car. I'd like to say, I said from the beginning, let's just do it the right way and wait till we get back. But no, uh, we filmed two or, or nonsense. Recorded. You were after Oakland camp. You were like, we got to do a podcast. No, 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 no. You said it and I got really excited. If we were going to have to do it, we needed to do it then. You were digging it. But then the next day, we did it again, part two of the – I don't know what we did. But you ruined my ride into San Francisco because so, we were doing a stupid podcast in a car. And there was great uh, great things to see, great landscape, views, views water, yeah. mountains. Topography. Golden, Golden Gate Bridge. For those that, 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 for those that awesome. don't know where you guys have been the last week, can you yes. just give us a quick rundown on what I, you did? I just did. We went to the training yeah, camps but, of but Dallas, you, I, Oakland, I know you said San Francisco, that, but what Seattle. What was the point of the trip? Why did you guys go? So we Who went. All right, Josh. Uh, you got to remember, people listening out there might I have know, no idea what you're so talking about. So we went on a training camp tour. We went and saw practices of those four teams. Got a chance to speak to a lot of the big name players on all those teams. Right. And I I learned a lot in terms of not just those four teams, but you know the way in, what's going on right now at this time of the year. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go through and we're going to break it all down uh, of what we saw on those four camps and the journey because I think it was hilarious. And it was. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but I I would like to start off, and we're also going to have a fantasy expert joining us. I am the new Bleach Report fantasy guy. You two talking is going to be amazing. We are. Well, he's from New Jersey, so he's probably pretty cool, just like me. But. Uh, that's for, this is Chris Sims who found out last year how much a touchdown is worth in fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I still could care less what a damn fantasy. <laughs> so we're going to get to that in a little bit. But I, I want to talk about the news that just recently happened. The Geno Smith sucker punch in the face. Right. I want to hear your take. Josh, would you mind doing a little news read here and tell us the formality of what happened? Yeah, so this is from uh, BleacherReport.com, but this is a quote from Adam Schefter of ESPN. Never heard of that. Uh, Okay, so here's the quote. At the heart of the dispute between former Jets linebacker I.K. Inampali, I hope I said that right. You did a great job. Thank you. And quarterback Geno Smith is $600 that Inampali believes Smith owed him per league sources. Inampali purchased a plane ticket for Smith to attend his July 11th football camp at Fugerville High School in Fugerville, Texas. Beautiful. Fugerville? However, days Is before the P-F-L? camp. P-F-L? yeah. Fugerville. Fugerville. There right. you go. However, Yankee. What a Yankee. Yeah. Texas expert, Chris Sims. <laughs> uh, however, uh, days before the camp, a person close to Smith was killed in a motorcycle accident in Miami, and Smith did not attend Inampali's camp, per sources. After Smith did not attend, and Impali demanded that the Jets quarterback refund him the $600 he allegedly used to purchase a plane ticket. Smith told Impali he would reimburse him the money, but he did not. Impali confronted Smith today about the money, and the confrontation ended in a punch and a broken jaw. That from ESPN's Adam Schefter. All right, so a few things here. One, $600 sounds really stupid. And this sounds like – this also, though, sounds like a situation where – this is a, a linebacker that's trying to make the team who probably doesn't have a lot of money. Right. The star quarterback who probably is flaunting his his big contract. Well, but big contract. He's making five hundred thousand dollars compared to IK. I know, but that, that's what I mean. It's not like Geno Smith is a sure. first round pick or sure. you know. Yep. But I, but he, yes. here's the thing: we actually talked about this on the trip, right. owing people money. Right. It's a really bad. I like I owe you like fifty bucks right now, just right. from like a meal, right. and it's weighing on me sure. right now. Right. And we talked about how awkward a situation is. Yes. How many times do you think Geno was like, "Nah, dude, you'll get it." Well, I think it had to be a lot. I, I, I think a few. And, and let's start it with this. First of all, you got to know who you're dealing with in the locker room. Second of all, I'm sure the guy was a little pissed off that Gino made him buy the ticket, but then didn't even show up. I'm sure that's really. Well, I mean, he had he had a friend die. So okay, so that's fine. Okay, okay. So then 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 I take that comment away. I didn't know his. You didn't listen to Josh at all. I didn't listen to that part. (laughs) 
Uh, it was right. In front uh, of me. But but everything I've heard too, uh, because I of course know some people there, and and they've yes. told me, yeah, it pretty much sounds like they had a little bit of an argument. Yep. Um, it died down. Uh, then he asked Gino once again before a walkthrough. Gino made fun of him and made some comments and kind of threw it in his face, and then that's when he got punched in the face. I thought right. it was very interesting that as soon as it happened, I started seeing on Twitter and TV people questioning Gino Smith's leadership, and and I'm curious what you think about that. As yeah, a well, I think it, it makes me not question his leadership, but his ability maybe to read people or relate to people in the locker room. So keep you the are peace. you are thinking a that. little bit. Yeah, there's a little bit of that there. You got to know the people you're dealing with within a locker room. Know whose buttons you can push maybe a little farther than other people. Yeah, uh, I, t- I I did a video the other day on Bleacher Report, and and Josh saw it of course because he was our producer, Josh. But uh, I had uh, I certainly knew the guys I could have fun with yeah. in the locker room and the guys you couldn't. And I had a guy, Adam Hayward, linebacker in Tampa at one point. I was kind of playfully poking him in the head once. He turned around to me and said, I will kick your fucking ass if you poke me in the head again. Wow. And I learned right then, okay, I'm not going to mess with this that guy. That sounds so like your son on the on the playground <laughs> so, with the bully. But, but, that, uh, but, but there, there's case in point, yes, dealing with people within the locker room. And then to play to your point yeah. about the quarterback, you know, a lot of guys in the locker room want to punch the quarterback as it is. They're mad at him. They're jealous sure. of him. He gets too much notoriety as in general. Yes, and Geno Smith doesn't have this huge contract, but I think the general perception is, oh, well, he's with The Rock, and he's yeah. probably making a lot of money in endorsements and yes. little things off the field. Yes. So, yes, players don't want to deal with that. And $600, uh, I don't care. Some billionaires it's, might get a little, a little yeah. up, like you owe me six hundred dollars. So yeah. uh, I don't care how much money you're making. Six hundred dollars is a lot of money to some people. I agree. And it sounds like he just razzed razzed them a little too much. Uh, and this guy's a beast too. Have he you is ever, a beast. I mean, a monster. In fact, that was the few Jets people I know. The first thing they sent to me is. I don't know what happened, but he'd be the last guy on the team I'd want to be punched by. So that just tells you what kind of animal you were dealing with. So I actually think of this completely different than everybody else. Right. I think this is really great for Geno Smith. I think this is the best thing that could have happened to Geno Smith. Because now the team is going to suck with Ryan Fitzpatrick for six because weeks. And he's no, because back. here's the thing. Gino was going to be the guy no matter what because that's the position he was in. And he had permanently over his shoulder the ultimate backup. Right. The Harvard-educated, not-make-mistakes Ryan Fitzpatrick Previously backup, with Chan Previously Gailey. with Chan Gailey to where every single fan is going. Even if Gino goes for 300, two touchdowns and a pick, yeah, but Ryan Fitzpatrick wouldn't have thrown that pick. And they don't know the limitations to Fitzpatrick's athletic ability right now. Right. So it, beyond the fact that Fitzpatrick, it was the allure of the backup quarterback, as Sims has always said, is the most loved person in any franchise. Right. Now, Geno's the backup. And he's never been – we don't – it's so funny. We talk about throwing these quarterbacks right into the fire. And then when you look at someone like Aaron Rodgers and go, wow, I think that time to develop was actually good for him. Right. Gino has never had time to develop. No. Drinking food out of a straw is not really the best way to develop. <laughs> but maybe watching game film for six, seven weeks and getting a chance to digest it and seeing how the offense is going – and then all of a sudden, people are going to be calling for Geno. Because I don't think Fitzpatrick is going to impress people this uh, year. I would agree with you. And I think you're right from the football standpoint. I think, yes, there, this is a little bit of a silver lining at the end of the tunnel yes. for Geno to a degree. Yes, he gets to be the hopeful guy. Oh, he's almost healthy. If the offense sputters the first four or five weeks. Gosh, if only Geno will be here. back, he'll make yeah. that throw. Yes, and when I, have people ever said that? That's the first thing I thought of when the, from the football standpoint. Yeah. Like, mm, this might be a good thing for Geno. Now he doesn't have to go through the bumps and bruises of the preseason, yes. figuring out the offensive line, figuring out the offensive yes. system, getting the timing and rhythm with new receivers. And the other thing, it's not a JPP. It's not a self-inflicted wound where we can then question his intelligence on and off the field. No one can ever get mad at someone who got sucker punched. Yes, right. You didn't – I mean, look, did you finger wag? Did you not pay someone? Listen, stop being a cheap motherfucker and pay your debts. <laughs> a Lannister should always pay its debts. But in terms of getting sucker punched – 
It's not his fault. No, it's I not. really, I really think in the perception of Gino from New York, it's the first time that he's going to take a step back and not have the magnifying glass. Yeah, and him. people are going to probably feel sorry for him to a degree here right? in the New York. Yeah, I, I would agree totally. Uh, yes, I. This might be football wise, might be the best thing that happened to him. Yeah, and but of course, and you, you look. Sometimes you need a punch in the face. Like, the, like, I've heard that a lot. Like, you see a lot of kids in, like, junior high and high school, and you go, man, you need a punch in the face. And then I meet them now, and right. I go, you got punched in the face. <laughs> you got a little sense about you. You need it, though. Yes. Because that, that non – you can't be walking around like that. Yeah. Anyway. Man, um, there's a lot of guys in high school I'd like to go back and punch in the face. Really? Yeah, I used to write down – I didn't write no down. No way. I didn't write down, but I always – uh, when, especially when I was in like eighth grade, a freshman in high school, a lot of I was the starting quarterback on the varsity team as a freshman. So I had a lot of juniors and seniors who did not like me at Ramapo High School. Sure, a little mad, a little jealous of me. Would love to say bad things about my dad and the lot. Yeah, in, in front in of school, you. Yeah, whenever, wherever. What was the worst one? What's would, the worst one when your well, dad's Phil? You know, you know, just whether he sucks or hostile or rules, things like that. Gosh, and and yeah, you. That's so ridiculous. I'm just so, picturing Sims like the opening scene of Arya in Game of Thrones this year where she's sitting on the porch of the place in Bravos reading off her kill list and she's like Cersei and you remember what, uh, do you yeah. remember what I'm talking about you got Sims nothing oh that good Game of Thrones reference <laughs> thank you dude I'm, 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 yeah, you went really deep there I like I didn't even know what you are talking about oh, but I remember on. it was a great scene it though. was a good scene you have, but I, you I, I no always promised about. myself I would go back and whoop a few of these people's butts especially there was this one kid in uh, you don't still think that uh, no I'm, I've matured now good uh, but you got punched in the face you're right I did I got punched in the face Eighth grade playing hockey. Shut up. Yeah, mouthed off to a, a, a high schooler. What'd you say? Uh, I think we had beat them in like a hockey game. It was me and like a few of the younger kids. Like and this is acne covered. This young is acne covered. Eighth Sims. grade Chris Sims, God, and I mouthed awkward. off to this you know junior about to be senior. <laughs> Uh, who wanted to put me in the in his place? So he did. He he punched me, and then he actually threw me in the lake, in the frozen lake, where the where the ice wasn't formed yet. And uh, I did. I learned a lot from that lesson. I always was like, yeah, I should maybe whip his ass when I get older. But uh, wow, of course I never did. That was a big moment. That was a good moment. It was a good moment. It was. I remember. I didn't get punched in the face. I'm just thinking. Uh, we used to play outdoor basketball in a league where I'm from, and I was in like sixth, seventh grade. And I just had a really good game. I scored like 20 points or something like that. And I saw these two older guys in high school, and they were smoking cigarettes. And I walked up to one of them, and I said, hey, man, can I get one of those? And they go, man, you, you smoke? And I said, yeah, man. I, I, I said, yeah. And they looked around. My dad's like over there and stuff. And he gives me a cigarette, and I break the cigarette, too. And I go, that stuff will kill you. Don't do that. Oh. Kid, kid, high school kid, like, picked me up, like, hanging me upside down, like, dropped me. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's when I learned, like, I could be a goof. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man. Lesson learned. Oh, man. Yeah, that was bad. I, I was, was wondering bad. where you're going with that. No, I, I didn't smoke I was about to be like, school. wow, you are Mr. <laughs> cool Kid, No, huh? that's, that's disgusting. Uh-huh. No, I had those friends. Um, all right, let me let's go through the places we went to. We did uh, actually we didn't do Dallas. Um, but let, I want to talk about atmosphere. So Just so let, you know, I did grab the back of Josh Fendrick's he- uh, neck when I walked in. You today. did, yes, playfully. I really wanted to smash it into the table or the keyboard, <laughs> but I didn't. I just kind of again that is a little. that is because we did podcast and Josh didn't publish them, but. This one's going better. Right. I dig it. All right. What do you guys sure. uh, No, I was just going to say, it was not. I was not the reason that you guys did podcasts on the road. No. That was, that I was told, my idea. Yeah, it was your idea. Yeah. So, so let's go. Completely it. sold me out, and then Sims got mad about Dude, it. Right. Don't worry. I'll uh, grab the back of his neck later. All right, yeah, so yeah. let's do this. I, I think the better way to go through it is we do them all at the same time. So in terms of atmosphere. Yes. Dallas. What what kind of atmosphere did you think that was? Uh, I thought it was a good atmosphere. Fanfare, of course, always good in anything with the Dallas Cowboys, but very professional, I thought. It felt like a team that was like, we went to the playoffs and we're going back again. It was very much like we have the mission in mind. Last year, they thought they were stars and they weren't stars yet. This year, they're like, we're good. We're here. They're kind of unfazed by anything going around them. Uh, Tony Romo, I was one... Him and Jason Garrett, it upset me how cool they were. <laughs> it upset me how nice fan. they were. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and such, such down to earth guys. Yes. And to me, meeting those two, that single handedly was the reason why I thought Dallas has been successful. Right. Because those two are completely on the same page. Yes. They both talk about taking a trip to Duke and meeting Coach K and like having this greater sense of team. 
And I went, that's really impressive. Yeah, they're all in on team. All uh, in. Tony Romo doesn't care about his personal stats or no. what you say about him. And the same with Jason Garrett. Yeah. They are. They're all in. Uh, running back, I think we have a lot of questions still about Joseph Randall, but he looked pretty good. Yes, he does. He, he Listen, he can be a starting running back yes. in the NFL, and he can be successful. He looks the part to me. Uh, yeah, depth is the issue there. Uh, and the then, most impressive part about that offense, that line. Without a doubt. To watch. Look, San Francisco's line was very impressive. Right. Uh, Oakland had a few pieces. Seattle had. I mean, look, Russell Okung is a giant among men. Right. But when you watch Zach Martin just stone people, like I'm talking about like 320-pound guys running right into him, and then he doesn't even move. Yes. He is as advertised. That yes. guy is insane. He was. And then Tyron Smith and and Travis Frederick. Right. They're all, they were incredible to watch. Yeah, they're, they're a great-looking group, too, because there are a bunch of guys that are like 320, but if you guessed, you'd be like, oh, what's he, about 285, 290? Yes. They're all very athletic-looking. Their offensive line special. But the big thing we came away talking about with Dallas Cowboys is what? Their D-line. That's what's, I think, going to put them over the top this year. It was the biggest question. It was the biggest question for Dallas last year. I think they were 28th in sacks. The ability to get after the quarterback and stop the run. You have a slight man crush on Greg Hardy. Um, So when you see Greg Hardy, Josh. I mean, he only only talked about his body like 15 times. So I saw the footage of him uh, slapping the bags, and and I just watched that, and my jaw dropped. So so here's what happens is Is that what it's called, slapping the bag? Yeah, that's what what I did in college on a bus with a a a box of of friends. Taking down the tackling dummy, slapping the dummy. They were doing their pass rush moves on the As you can tell, I've been a part of many NFL practices. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I, I think what was crazy to me is Randy Gregory runs out, and I go, Man, that's a good-looking athlete. He's long. He's athletic. But you could go, dude needs to put on about 20, 30 pounds in his legs just to get some strength. But I was very impressed with Randy Gregory. I'll get to that in a second. Then Greg Hardy comes out, and you realize that Greg Hardy's leg is two of Randy Gregory's (laughs) leg. And you see that he's this perfect mix of 6'4", but he's not too tall. He's got long arms. And his motor was constant. Right. I mean, every drill, there was a few drills that he didn't play in because they, I'm sure they were getting ready for more seven-on-seven seven or whatever it was. And he's on the sideline just yapping, talking to Randy Gregory, jumping into people. I mean, he is a constant bundle of energy. And I thought he was teaching people, too. All practice long. All practice yes. long. So that was very impressive. I, Randy Gregory was really cool. Randy Gregory was Completely so cool. Completely changed Sims's perspective. Completely changed. What was the perspective going in and well, about coming out? You know, I got my doubts. I had yep. my doubts in the draft. I still have my doubts about him, but um, – I think the first thing I give him the benefit of the doubt and think he's got a chance is because I got to see the person, I got to talk to the person and see the way he interacted with the team. Like Lefko said, first of all, you could tell the D linemen they love him, which yes. tells me they think he's talented and that he's willing to take directions. He picks their brains. So that I love to see that. That tells me you got a chance to be successful when you can take coaching, mm-hmm. uh, even from players. Uh, the athletic ability, like Lefko said, is Un- unbelievable. All, all he, through the draft process, you kept talking about power how skinny the he issue. was, though. Yeah, yeah. Power so, will still – I'm going to have to see it to believe it. But, dude, he uh, had a spin move one time yes. where I, he, it was like he, it was like in a single spot. He spun in a sp- single spot and got by, yeah. and it was like, that's really quick. Tyrone Crawford is the other guy we got to give love to. He was to. the MVP of the camp to me. Tyrone yeah. Crawford was the most impressive player I saw. He was their best player on defense. He was the most impressive, imposing physical presence, and he's the only guy – that pushed Zach Martin around a little yep. bit. The only guy we sat there and watched one because there was there was one on ones with the receivers and the DBs, so yep. we could kind of see that, but we didn't have the greatest view. And but like we Dez to see, versus Orlando Skandrick was great, right? But we wanted to see D line versus. We wanted O-line. to see it because there's some studs on both sides there, and Zach Martin dominated everybody. And Lefko hit it exactly right. I mean, it was a stalemate. Guys could they could run 50 yards full speed, and he'd just be like, "Stop there." <laughs> You don't touch Tony. Uh, yeah, that's exactly But, but uh, Tyrone Crawford was the only guy all day that yeah. moved him. He uh, spun Zach Martin. He did. He did. He, he moved him. But the, they got it going. Dallas is legit. I yeah. will be shocked if they are not. I will be shocked if they're not in the NFC Championship game. Biggest that's, questions, I think, is linebacker depth. Sean Lee, it's great to have back. We'll see when Rolando McLean gets back. I think corner, 
I'm just going to say it, man. Maurice Claiborne needs to step up. Maurice Claiborne, yes. Because I like Carr, and I like Skandrick. I like those other pieces. Right. Safeties aren't good. Um, last thing I learned at Dallas, what I learned, is that I have a very similar body to Tony Romo, and I don't know what that says about Romo or <laughs> me, but me and him share a Romo body. He loves that. Well, Romo's not the most, yes, he's not I was very Greek surprised. specimen. He's like, not you a see Greek Derek, god. Yeah, like we saw Derek Carr walk by. We're going to get to the Raiders in a second. And I went... Okay, he's got a similar body type to Chris. He's long, he's lean, and there's muscle there. And I saw Romo, and I went, that's what I look like when I wake up in the morning and put on sandals and walk outside. Romo's got big hands, and Romo has better legs and butt than you. I have, but you do have big hands. I have yes. big hands. But he has a big palm. That was the first thing I, I always notice when what? I shake his hand. Yeah, he's a big palm. See, I don't even notice those yeah, things. Yeah, I, when I shake a quarterback's hand, I usually am paying attention. <laughs> All right, can I go to Oakland, or you want to talk to Cam soon? All right, let's do Oakland. Um Oakland, to me, the atmosphere was like a very high-level high school practice. It was the most fun, I think. The fans were incredible. Right. Shout out to the Raider Nation. Without a doubt. And and can I do like a Yeah, you got to do some of the – come on, the impersonation. Hey, they – The best part is, right, so they're they're getting ready to go and they're practicing and you just randomly hear a guy go – Let's go Raiders. And the whole place is just going, let's go Raiders. And they're yelling at Michael Crabtree and they're going, hey, Michael, doesn't it feel good to be on the right side of the bay? And then everyone's like, it was like, awesome. Everyone's like, ah. Oh. And, the, and they're so close that the players like have to acknowledge it. So, like, Dallas, everyone was kind of far away. Right. San Francisco was really awkward. They didn't have any. No we fans. also went on a bad day. And we'll get to that in a second. And then Seattle was their scrimmage, but Raiders was the most intimate. Yes. Um, and they did the best job, I think, as an organization uh, involving their fans. I mean, the Raiders, I thought, were very fan conscious. This is two years in a row where they do a good job of throwing around T-shirts for yep. the fans. And then they had water for everybody Gatorade on a hot day, that, which yeah. I think was top notch. Uh, Derek, Co- no, hold on. Let's get to the most impressive. Yeah, Amari person. Cooper. We already made a video here today. You didn't. Did work, you? you? didn't work today, but don't worry. Some what, of us uh, held it down. Let me say this. So we, me and Sims, walk over to the second field, and we know that Amari Cooper is going, and we're watching all the receivers. And like, oh, that's a pretty good play by Crabtree. Oh, that that Trenton Holiday man, he's quick. Amari Cooper comes up, lined up on Keith McGill, and gives him, takes him right off the line goes in and then out and McGill is so far off him at this point and he's by himself and and I look at Sims and Sims looks at me and goes holy shit and now here's the thing I thought it was impressive but I always lean on Chris the funniest thing for me going to training camp is seeing all the media people talking to each other and inside my head I'm going none of you know what you're talking about they just (laughs) don't okay because we didn't play the game we don't know we might think but that's just how it is. So I rely on him to tell me what's really going on. Amari Cooper then goes out there a second time, cuts left, cuts right. Keith McGill's kind of on him, and then he stops, and he's right there. And McGill's flying away. Yeah. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And you said he might be the best route runner that you've seen as a rookie ever. Yeah, I think he's maybe. I, I want to hear the comparison you made today, by the yeah, way. I want well, you to tell that to yeah, Lefko. Yeah, of course. Well, he's heard some of it. This is a uh, more muscled-out Marvin Harrison. Well, no? I, I did say that, yeah. He's a thicker, more explosive version of Marvin Harrison, maybe a, a little bit taller, leaner version of a Steve Smith. I, I even said on the video today it was Jerry Rice-ish as far as running routes. Yes, it was. Amari Cooper, wow. I don't care about rookie, the, the heck with the whole rookie thing. What I saw just in that day of camp and just what some of the other people led me to believe as well, uh, that was as good as I've ever seen a rookie, 10th year, 50, five years in a row, the Pro Bowl. I don't care who it is. That really? was a top. You saw Des Bryant the day before. Yes. Uh, he was every bit as good as Des Bryant. In a lot of areas, I think he was better than Des he Bryant. He could jump. He could do all that He's stuff. He's definitely a better route runner. His Sims. ability to explode oh. off the line of scrimmage, in and out of cuts. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, he can still play big as well. The uh, two I was quotes, extremely impressed. Keith McGill, we talked to him afterwards, and he said he literally speeds up in and out of his breaks, which is literally not physically possible, right. but that's what it seems like. Right. And then Sims grabbed Derek Carr, and they were talking, and Sims was like, that Amari kid, man. 
And Derek just like kind of shook his head yeah. and was like, he's incredible. Yeah. So there is a buzz right now. And and I thought Carr's arm looked very lively. You were very impressed. I was. I thought Carr looked uh, – sign- you know, I was a big fan of him last year. But I thought his arm looked really fresh. The ball popped out of his hand. He said year two. That was one of the things he said when I did pull him to the side. He says he's learning how to manage his body here a little bit mm. in year two through training camp. Maybe limit some of those unnecessary throws. Yes. Uh, which are great. Uh, yeah, I was impressed with him. And he was a leader emotionally, going around, fist yes. pumps, arms in the air, getting people excited on the other side. Anytime Amari Cooper was going to run a route, Derek Carr was going to throw him the ball. Oh, yeah. And I and I, I think for a second-year guy, that's what you look for. Yeah, you, you want that. Listen, yeah, Derek Carr shouldn't let anybody throw the ball to Amari Cooper all yeah. year long. But, yeah, I loved, <laughs> I loved all of it. Uh, I mean, they, they had a lot of things to be excited about in Oakland. Not only was the whole, you know, you hear the culture change. Yes. That was felt, a culture change. Different. Yes, especially compared to last year. A lot more energy. Uh, and then, man, let's just knock off some of the freaks we saw. Latavius Murray, we were extremely impressed. That, you were in person. We're like in shock of how big and when good he I looks. saw Latavius Murray right and then I saw him standing next to Trent Richardson right Latavius Murray looks like Adrian you would, Peterson you would go wait was he the third pick of the draft or was exactly yes. I mean Latavius right. Murray looked like an absolute stud right the thing that was so impressive to us though they are going to be so good at stopping the run this year if Justin Ellis and Dan Williams stay healthy. Khalil Mack, Mario Edwards, oh. Justin Tuck. Yes, they got a lot of big men on their front seven. Yeah, Mario Edwards looks like he's going to be taking a lot of snaps this year. Yes. Khalil Mack looks, was lined up at defensive end while we were there the entire time. Right. And I, I think he was impressive, and I still couldn't believe to see Charles Woodson out there doing it. Amazing. Charles uh, seemed happier than ever, too. I mean... You saw I talked to him a little bit coming off of uh, coming off, coming off the field, and he just couldn't seem like he was in, in a more happy place. I'm sure he's extremely happy with the new regime yes. and the energy they've kind of injected into the hey team. Hey, man, I have a lot of expectations for the Raiders. I even think they can make a playoff push. I don't know if they're there yet, right? But I don't think this is going to be. I think they could be going maybe for a 500 record, I, that's which what, is that's a step in the right say. direction. Yes, right. A step in the right direction. We're going to be headed. We're going to be talking about San Francisco and Seattle in a second, but. When you make a good move, you got to celebrate it. And that's what we got with our new video analyst and featured columnist for Bleacher Report, focusing on fantasy. It is the one, the only, Matthew Camp. Hello, Matt Camp. Welcome to the podcast. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. What an honor to be on the show today. Oh, yes. Honor. Honor was such that, an esteemed Randy show. Gregory, Randy Gregory, we get done interviewing Randy Gregory. He goes, hey, man, it's been an honor. And I was like, what? No, it hasn't. So Matt Camp, Randy Gregory, a lot of similarities. A lot right of similar. Matt's uh, <laughs> Matt's from Jersey though, so I mean, so he's, you like him for that. I mean, he's really cool then, really cool. <laughs> Matt, what Matt? So hold on, give us a uh, uh, seventeen second version of you, my friend. All right, uh, let's see, Jersey. Oh, by the way, I have to say this before we get into me. So Sims is four years older than me, and I totally remember him playing my high school team. So since I went to Bergenfield, okay, uh, opening drive first play you launched the ball like 60 yards down the sidelines for a touchdown i think i just walked out of the game after that that is what i remember from uh us from high school yeah i'm putting you over right away on the show i know how this That's works awesome. but i totally remember that happening I went, oh we're not winning this game not that we ever won anything as i'm sure you remember you guys were real well good yeah you weren't gonna beat us but, in football basketball though you gave us some tough times yeah, yeah, and then the basketball program went into crapper. But, you know, that's a whole different story. But uh, I do remember that uh, very vividly uh, on that football field. And, uh, I mean, I think you were the best quarterback since me as, as, a, as a gym quarterback. So you certainly set the ball a lot higher there. But Yeah, uh, thanks. I just barely got by that one. <laughs> I'm coming over from uh, com. I was a senior writer there for about six years. Did podcast stuff, web hosting. Uh, I do radio on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio for like five years. That continues on. Did a game day show on Sundays, which is pretty like, uh, much like Red Zone on the radio. And now uh, I get to be the smiling face on TV doing the video stuff at Bleach Report. Yeah. Uh, we've got a bunch of videos already, and I'm excited about that. That's awesome. So the funny thing is, is you uh, – I did some, some trial videos when you were coming here, and I, you know fantasy inside and out. Chris Sims, I think, knows less about fantasy than, like, 90% of people. Right. Um, How would you – what would be your sales pitch to get Sims to play fantasy football? How would you sell Sims? Well, i got to ask, why are you you not into it already? 
Um, I just have other things in life I'm more concerned with. I just haven't dealt with it. I think this might be the year I jump into it no, a little bit and really? play with it a little bit. Yeah, I think I might. And whether I have to team up with somebody so I don't wow. have to be bothered with it all the time. But uh, no, I, I guess uh, I didn't need to do fantasy football because I was in the real thing, baby. Oh, I was the there. Worst. You're the worst. <laughs> no. Uh, and, and yeah, I just I haven't done it. I, I don't know. I, I just uh, never was in a league. I have no exact reason. And other other thing, too, is uh, I, I feel like I have people that I know around the NFL, and I think I root for them as people. Yes. And I don't want to pick pick for people that might help me in my fantasy league, that but I don't, don't really want to. Like. Yeah, but I, I don't got really you. like so here, So here's my thing, well, Matt. Hold on, Matt. Let me ask yeah. you this. Um, I think it's very interesting to see who the higher-ranked guys in fantasy are compared to who Sims thinks are the higher-ranked guys oh, that are I, actually in the league. I like that. So, like – if if Matt, who do you think is going to be the first pick in most fantasy drafts this year? Antonio Brown. Uh, he should be. He's the, the first pick in the whole guy. draft. Yes. Over running Absolutely. backs. Yeah, because he's safer. That's the thing. Running backs, as we know, the shelf life it's not what it used to be, and you can't rely on as much. Also, on top of that, you got guys battling with two and other three other guys in their own backfield. So Antonio Brown got touchdowns has five catches and 50 yards in every single game for the last few years, is on a team that he is the number one target and is going to throw the ball because they're trying to fix the defense in Pittsburgh. So if you look at all the guys that will be in the first round, and it is a crazy first round this year, unpredictable as we've ever seen, I look at a guy who's got the least amount of awards and and concerns to me, it's Antonio Brown. That's fascinating. I didn't think about that. All right, so usually, Chris, what happens in fantasy draft, it usually goes running back, 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 wide receiver. Right. Running back, running back, maybe a quarterback. Right. That's just how it goes because there are usually less running backs. Matt, do you think there's actually more running backs to choose from this year in fantasy? It's a little better than it was. I don't think it's great. I'm going to look here in my top 12. I think I have four running backs in the top 12 of all my players. So you mentioned all wow. the running backs going. That's a little bit more old school. I think you're trying to build your team uh, more so than ever, just best players available, other than the quarterbacks. And we'll get into that conversation. That's a different conversation. But, uh, you know, guys oh, like Demarius Thomas, Des Bryant, Julio, uh, Nelson, ODB, these guys are just a little safer to me than the running backs. And that also pushes the running back talent into the second round. And I think you can find these running backs throughout the year you might want to get one big one, but you know guys like Trey Mason and C.J. Anderson who were waiver wire pickups last year, and they played huge roles down the stretch. Right. Wow. I, I understand it. I mean, the EJ. I mean, the Antonio Brown thing. The, it's oh, well, completely logical. I think his numbers drop off this year, though. Not, yeah, because be Matt. Same. So, like, we've been doing a lot of videos. The amount yeah. of talent that's been added to Pittsburgh. Why do you think? Do you Sims from the football perspective? Do you think Brown will get targeted less? Well, yeah, I do. Just because of Martavis Bryant, Marcus Wheaton, another year. Uh, Sammy I, I do. Coates. Yeah, Sammy Coates. But I, I think all of those all those factors. Martavis Bryant specifically will take some of Antonio Brown's catches away. Do I expect Tony? Antonio Brown still be one of the three, four leading receivers in football? Yes, without a doubt. But I do think maybe he takes away – he doesn't get to one, 129 as far as receptions and almost 1,700 yards. I'd say he gets probably around the 100 mark and maybe another 14 and 1450 and change yeah. maybe somewhere in there I, in the I yards I just department. appreciate Matt – you taking a stands like that. Man. I like I, it, too. I love that very much. Um, so, let, Matt, let me ask you this. Do you have, like, your quarterbacks ranked how you would take them? Yes. Yes, oh, I do. Now, Yeah, can I, can I hear Luck that? Because I want Sims's. You have Rodgers what? I have Luck Rodgers 1-2 in their own tier on top of everybody else. That's right. That's where they should be. Okay, so that's how it is in the real football world. <laughs> exactly who right. is Who is the number three fantasy quarterback? I don't think there's a consensus on this. For me, I have Roethlisberger there. Kind of goes back to the reasons I mentioned. Pittsburgh's going to be throwing a lot. So I, I like you. I like He's you. He's playing at high level. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. I think Big Ben. I mean, he's the, the, those those two yeah. Big Ben. Uh, and then Tony Romoski. I yes. think he's Where another does guy Tony you can watch out go? for this year. I have Romo down at 11. And now that's still a low-end starter, let's say, in a 12-team league. Mm. But – uh, I think they'll throw a little bit more in Dallas with, with DeMarco Gagne. Yeah, they want Joseph Randall to be the guy, but I think they've been trying to play a little smarter with Romo and the Cowboys. And he's been a guy, and I think this is where Chris is coming, where I think early in his career he was a lot better for fantasy than reality because he was putting up gaudy numbers. Mm. Uh, there would be some issues, mistakes sometimes, and I know he was always blamed a little bit too much for that kind of stuff. But in the last couple of years, 
he's been a more efficient quarterback. They haven't thrown as much. Yeah. But it's cut down on his volume, and he hasn't been as great of a fantasy quarterback. He is solid, but there were times where he was a rock-solid top five, top six guy. Maybe the Cowboys won eight games or seven games or didn't go very far, whereas last year may have been his best season, and I, I think it was his worst for fantasy. <laughs> really? Uh, really? With 34 touchdowns? Well, how do you even get points as a quarterback then? I don't understand. Throwing touchdowns, so, right. the amount of yards you throw for. Right, so yards is where he probably hurts a little bit. That's where it killed him, absolutely. He, right. he threw just 435 passes. You look at the big-name guy, 600-plus, Yes, right. 550-plus. Uh, I mean, and like we said, it worked out for the Cowboys, but 37.05 yards, 34-9 to nine touchdown interceptions was nice, but you have guys that run the football as well. Right. Uh, that gives a little of a bonus. We'll talk about Russell Wilson and, you know, Rodgers and Luck. That's kind of a bonus for them. We know they don't rely on the legs, but they can give you that. So if they're getting, uh, as those two guys did, 250-plus rushing yards and a couple rushing touchdowns, yep. that's a little bonus over guys like Breeze and Manning and, and Tom Brady who don't run around like that. Right. All right, let me ask you one more question uh, about a guy that I know that perception-wise he's elite, but I don't know where he's going to be in fantasy this year. Every year for tight ends, it's Gronk and Graham and then everybody else. We went up to Seattle and we saw Jimmy Graham. And we looked at each other and went, man, I could see Jimmy getting a little frustrated this year. He clearly is the most athletic option out there. He clearly is dynamic. But the Seattle offense, I don't know the amount of opportunities Jimmy's going to have. Where do you see Jimmy from the fantasy perspective? I have him at number three, and I think most people have him at number two. I put Travis Kelsey in front of him now. Very, very wise of you again. Okay. Very wise. Why, 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 do, why do you think he's wise, man? Because I think they're going mean, to. I think they'll find more ways to give Travis Kelsey the ball in Kansas City than they'll be able to find. You know me in Seattle. Uh, Daryl Bevel, offensive coordinator there. Listen, I like him as a guy, but they are the most bland, unimaginative offense in football. And they can't get people open in practice. We saw it. I mean, they didn't throw one on rhythm pass the whole day we were there. Russell Wilson's got to scramble around in practice to find people open. That scares me for Jimmy Graham. All right, so let me hear the camp breakdown. Well, I'll start with Russell Wilson. People have him as their number three. and I think it's very dangerous to rank a guy that high when the biggest part of his game for fantasy is his legs, and his rushing numbers have gone up every year. I think maybe he throws a little bit more with Graham, but I think he's a little bit overrated. I have him at number eight. I think that's still fair. Now, over to Graham, uh, you're kind of con- confirming my suspicions there with that offense. Is hey, I think it's worked for what they've done. Now, that's not been great for fantasy other than Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson. Right. Receiving-wise, they don't give you anything for fantasy and never really have under right. uh, Russell Wilson. Hey, that's worked. Two Super Bowl appearances in a championship. They're not worried about our fantasy teams. But for Graham, I just don't like him changing teams. I wonder if they're going to ask him to block a little bit more. They are. Are they really going to change their offense up all that much? And if the answer is no, Travis Kelsey, as he talked about, needs to be more involved in the chief offense because they need him to be. Right. After you know last year, they didn't have receivers to rely on. No touchdowns at that position. And Kelsey should have been involved a lot more. Considering he was coming off the microfracture knee surgery, he was still a good fantasy tight end. He was a big sleeper for me last year. Uh, I thought he could have, could have been even better. He will be this year. Any, right. Anybody else at the tight end uh, that we should watch out for? Because I got, I, I got, I got one guy that I, I think the people should watch out for is at least Delaney Walker down there in Tennessee with Mariota. First of all, Delaney Walker had a really good year last year. He's athletic. Yep. And I would think with Mariota and his ability to move and them doing all the read option stuff, the bootlegs, things like that, that'll bring Delaney Walker's skill set even into play more. That would be my fantasy Sims two cents. fantasy advice. He was actually, last year, a pretty good tight end for fantasy as well. And the problem is with this position, he's actually number eight according to fantasy pros numbers right. uh, in terms of fantasy points per game. That's that's a solid solid starter. Not spectacular, not in the ground category, not going to win you a week on its own. Right. But we've always been looking for these next breakout guys. And, you know, we've seen it be Julius Thomas show up, and hopefully Kelsey makes a big push. And, we had Graham a couple of years ago, and obviously Grandpa. We keep waiting for some of these guys to come through. Whether yeah. you know years past it was Jared Cook or uh, guys in that uh, of that same kind of ilk there. That, right. You know, hopefully it'll be Austin Terry and Jenkins this year. But if you get after that top five, six guys, it's, it's kind of all the same. So yeah. I'm with you on Blaney Walker. He, he might be kind of boring. He's been around a while, but. In that offense, he might be their most reliable receiver, especially for a young tight uh, quarterback like Mariota. <laughs> right. What, Sims' face? Yeah, he's just 
Yeah, Sims is digging the uh, Sims is digging it right I, now. I like All right, so here here's what I want to do. I w- I'm gonna have I think we should have Matt on again in like two weeks as we get closer to drafts and stuff like that to have a more detailed discussion. For right now, Matt, if there are people that are having an early draft, what's a late round nugget? A guy that maybe is not getting a lot of attention that can be the the camp secret star. And I know there's not a lot of those anymore because we all do our research. But I'm curious who you have your eyes on. We've done videos the last couple of days. I've written articles about this. I did one, in fact, a bargain bin options. I did it last week. I have my guy, and not only am I thinking he's going to be someone you can get late, but I already have him ranked as my number 12 quarterback, and that's Sam Bradford. I am all over Chip Kelly's offense. Yeah, I have are. been for fantasy for the last couple of years. He has won 20 games with Vic, Foles, and Sanchez. He got eight 300-yard games between Nick Foles and Mark Sanchez last year. I think we know, I think we all know this, I should say, that Bradford is the most talented quarterback that he has had in his short tenure there with the Eagles, and I think it's going to work out great, and you're getting him late. This is a guy that's going in the 12th or 13th round, and we have seen those three guys have fantasy-relevant seasons or performances already. He's better than all three of them. People are worried about the injuries. I get that, but you know what? You don't have to use a high draft pick on Sam Bradford. I, I think he's going to be a guy that is a championship quarterback on a lot of fantasy teams. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I like this Jersey guy. <laughs> jersey, Jersey, Jersey. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much, brother. We are going to have you soon. We're probably going to have you throughout the season, too, to break down fantasy for us, man. Thanks again. Thanks, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, really Matt. It. Talk to you soon, man. Right. Matty Camp, Matty Camp Camp. Mm, I, I like Matt, though. Matt, uh, Matt has a nice balance of not just bullcrap numbers explanations, and he actually is paying attention to football, which I think, uh, uh, listen, if anybody out there is listening to this podcast, and if you are, I have to question your mental stability. There were about 20,000 <laughs> people that listened to the Whoa, last one. Oh, so. baby, we climbed up the ladder. But, uh, yeah, I like uh, what he had to say there. I was just laughing as Matt was talking about the tight ends. I was looking at Chris, and he was like, kind of like staring at his computer and just going, yes. Yes, 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 this is right. All right, so what, what he said, a few things. Holy moly. One, take Antonio Brown above all the running backs, which is a crazy concept that I haven't heard, but I'm definitely going to think about it if I have that pick. That's interesting. Delaney yeah. Walker is a nice little sleeper that you brought up. Uh, Travis Kelsey over Jimmy Graham right. makes a lot of sense yes, to me. Right. And he mentioned uh, he only has four running backs in his top 12, and you can get them later. Yeah, that's interesting. It's hard. because Who I've are been, the big fantasy running backs? Le'Veon Bell, Matt Forte. Le'Veon Bell. So Matt actually has Adrian Eddie Peterson. Matt has Eddie Lacy as his top fantasy running back. Oh, that's Eddie a good Lacy. one though because he's going to get a little bit of both. He could get touchdowns. Lynch is up there. But this year, I think there's a lot of guys. I mean, look, we're not even talking about the Jeremy Hills of the world. We're right. not even talking about. Um, yeah, whichever a, guy they have. I mean, like a Latavius Murray, whoever's Lashawn McCoy. McCoy yes. uh, I can give you Matt's uh, running back rankings right now. Hold on, keep talking for a second. Okay. I'll pull it up. Yeah, they're, 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 it's it's interesting. Yeah, I I have been talking about fantasy a little lately. I might try to get in one league with a friend. See, or I, when you said I would want to go in with somebody, my first reaction was we could do a Simpson left go team. And ah. then I thought about it and I went, I don't know if I want to bear the brunt of that because what's going to happen is if we lose, you're going to walk around the office going, this guy doesn't know what he's doing and he's losing <laughs> us. And then we're going to win a week and you're going to go, that was my decision. I made that. Yes, right. So yes. Matt's, I don't know if I want to do it. You're with such that. a jerk. Do it. When do I ever do that? Shut Matt's up. Top 10, uh, top 10 running backs for fantasy 2015. Eddie yeah. Lacy one, Le'Veon Bell two, Jamal Charles three, DeMarco Murray, four. Adrian Peterson, five. Jeremy wow. Hill, six. Marshawn Lynch, seven. C.J. Anderson, eight. Justin Forsett, nine. Matt Forte, ten. And that's standard scoring. Did you say LaShawn McCoy there? No. He didn't, right? Yeah, okay. I just wanted to yeah, make sure. Yeah, uh, check that. That is PPR. That's PPR. But that's, so that's why he's got Peterson Do you know lower. what PPR means? Player power ranking? Very good. Is it really? No. Nope. Oh. <laughs> it's a good try, though. Uh, Points. Points per reception. Ah, so gotcha. there are some leagues that will give you points if you just by catching the ball. So someone like Antonio Brown, who's going to catch like eight balls and get 120 yards, right. he's just killing it. Right. Matt is very down on LaShawn McCoy for fantasy. Yeah, uh, I can understand our, that. That offense well. has a lot of questions. Yep. Uh, and who's going to throw him the football? And I, I wonder why Eddie Lacy over Le'Veon Bell. That would be, I would. Maybe suspension. the Just the suspension, that's it? Uh, yeah, and I, I, yeah that, that is Matt's reason. Okay. And yeah. again, I'm speaking for him through the videos we shot the other day. But yeah, that was you work with him too. That right? was the reason he gave. I All right, that. so um, 
I, I'm excited. I'm very excited to work with Matt throughout the year. I think he definitely knows what he's talking about. He'll help us out for maybe our joint fantasy team. No, but, definitely not. Okay, now. never mind. Forget um, it. The I am. I was not excited. We get to San Francisco camp. We drive six, seven hours. Right. We stay overnight. We go to San Francisco camp. You We're ruined my to, view of New York, uh, San Francisco. We're excited to talk to Tom Sula. We're excited to talk to all the guys. I mean, right. we had a long list, and then Alden Smith. Gets um, arrested, I believe, that morning. Yes. Um, kicked off the team. Right. And now they're looking at us like we're there just for that. Right. I mean, we're literally walking around the 49ers campus just being like, hey, man, we're not here for that shit. We're not here for that. We're, we're here to talk ball and just – and the, everyone looked at us like we were pariahs. So for, for people that are listening out there, you have to understand that we send our crew out to training camps. Yes. And we're based in New York, so we get one day at these training camps. Right. And the one day that Sims, Lefko, our photographer Amir, and our producer Cam were at the 49ers camp was Alden Smith Day. So right. that, yeah. it, was, it was a total wasted day. Yeah. It, it was – I mean, look, it was cool to see practice. I don't want to say it was wasted, no. but – It was cool for a few reasons. One – it was good to see all the guys in uniform because it made us realize this. The San Francisco 49ers front seven is going to be fine. Their front four is enormous. Mm-hmm. They have four guys that any team in the NFL would like to have to help stop the run. Their defense is going to be fine. I also thoroughly enjoyed seeing Jimmy Ward, their first-round pick from last year, and Jaquiski Tart, their second-round pick from this past year, who went to the same high school Dude, they were inseparable. Right. And that is the future safety tandem, I think, of the San Francisco 49ers. Did you get to watch some Kaepernick? I, I did. I got to watch enough Kaepernick. I mean, what did Ka- you think of him? Well, I have no issues about Kaepernick, really, as far as evaluating Kaepernick. And to me, it's all going to just be about him and the cohesiveness with the new offensive coordinator, Jeep Christ. And yes. can they do something more offensively? Just like we said with Seattle before uh, when we were talking to Matt, uh, San Francisco's in the same boat. You watch them on, on film the last few years, and – they're about as uh, unimaginative as, as any offensive football team in the yeah. game as far as passing goes. They give their players no uh, benefit or no schematical advantage. It's all just them, hey, Cap, you know, throw us a 30-yard laser us, on third us. and 15 or you know, run that 4-4 around the edge and break four tackles. That's all we're asking. Yeah. Um, so that, that drives me crazy. That's really what it comes down. But your points about the front seven are, I think, right on. Uh, they have so many men. They've done a great job stockpiling talent. Their O-line is huge O-line still. is huge. Now I, I think there are a little there's question marks there just because they've had a you know Anthony Davis retired yes. Mike Ayupati's gone they moved Alex Boone from right guard to left guard yep. they're trying to figure out the center situation so I think it'll be a little bit before they become cohesive but yes I'm not panicking if I'm a 49er fan uh, they still got they still win the look test against yes. a lot of teams and they, they were more impressive physically than Seattle definitely and then, and yes they win the fight test too if you just got off the bus oh. and said you have to fight this team and you have to fight that team yeah they're scary. my money's on the Niners the weirdest thing about being at 49ers camp other than the absolute tragedy I mean we're in the media room and I hear a, a female reporter go yeah uh, yeah I'm here at San Francisco camp yeah it's utter chaos like that's what we walked into that day but we go out to the field and what shocked me was no music no music mountains in the background beautiful Santa Clara California silence so going through Jill's and, no I need you to understand yeah, yeah. Dallas they had loud music. Uh, some 41 came on, if you can remember that band. Fat Lip? It was Fat Lip. Um, in Too Deep? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so that came on. We go to Oakland, and it was like a hip-hop mix. Seattle was like a live DJ, and the music was incredible. San Francisco? Nothing. And you were saying that that's like a – is that a Bill Walsh thing? That's my question for Chris. Is that a coach thing? Like who, who decides the music? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of their culture there, really. And, and they've, they've never – they've, they've been a team that's kind of, uh, at least for the last little while, have kind of kept their fans out of uh, pre- or, or practice in, in the summer as far as training camp goes. Uh, I, you know, that can work either way. Listen, I understand what Lefko's saying because it lacks that energy of the other places we are at. But at the same time, uh, you know, what are the plus, pluses and negatives of it? I tried to tell him this after we left there. Yeah, there's pluses and negatives. Uh, hey, the, the pluses, there's no fanfare. There's no distractions. It's just be on the field. Let's focus on our job. And the other plus, I would say, is, you know what? When there are fans there, then it becomes that much special. Oh, we're running out 
for preseason game number one, and there's people yelling, okay, let's go. This is where I make my money. This is time to shine. Uh, but then the negatives, yeah, there's not that energy there on a daily basis. Uh, yes, there's the, the what do they say, the doldrums of training yes. camp. You know, you're in day 10, you're tired, whatever else. Fans can help, you know. You, you hear the, the the dumb fan, hey, let's go, or whatever it yeah. is. That can get players going as well. So there are the positives and the negatives, but the 49ers, they've kind of approached this way. They're professional that way. They just they don't care. They're the Niners. They want to win football games. They'll make the fans happy with, with the winning. And I also think that thinking about the 49ers offseason, if there's one team that needs to internalize everything yeah, and focus right. on just the things that are right in front of them, right. it's the 49ers. You don't need a fan there in a Patrick Willis jersey. Right. You don't need a fan there in a Justin Smith jersey. Right. So maybe it is beneficial for a young coach like Tom Sula. He's not young, but young in terms of being a head coach. This is all we got to worry about. You know, right yeah, now. they lose Patrick Us Willis, against the world. Alden Smith, and they still got a Mod Brooks, Aaron Lynch, Navarro Bowman. You know, Will Height will be the other starting middle linebacker. They drafted Eli Harold in the third round, who's going to be really good outside linebacker, pass rusher. They still got Ian Williams, Glenn Dorsey, uh, Eric Armstead. Darnell Dockett. Darnell Dockett. They Armstead, are deep. Eric Armstead is a massive. Man-child. Massive human being. And very much a man-child in terms of if you looked at him, he'd be like, oh. Yeah, he's kind of got a baby face. Too, Very so. baby face, yes. but he's a monster. Right. Uh, speaking of us against the world, Seattle was like the definition of that. They are. Um, let's first talk about Sierra. Right. Sierra was at the practice. She is very pretty. She is very pretty. Man, she's got like a uh, like a model's body. She's she's like long and lean, and she has long hair and a very pretty face. I have better legs than ass. No. Okay. Uh, but Sierra was there, which added an interesting dynamic to the entire thing. Right. Russell Wilson is super thick. Like, pause. Russell Wilson is just like, he looked wide, right? Well, yes, he, he is thick. I think that's something he's going to have to watch out for a little bit. Now, he, he also needs to stay thick to a degree. That is what he is as a— What do you mean watch out for? Well, I, I think the thing I say is he he needs to keep some thickness because he did run for 850 yards and last year. And he does year. get hit. And he does get hit. So that is nice from that standpoint. But I do think there's going to be a point in his career, in one, one of these off-seasons, he's going to step on the scale and go, holy cow. I weigh a little bit too much here. There was a part I might of you, lose my speed or or the flexibility even in my arm. You said that how big he was, it kind of looked like it was impacting his throwing motion. I thought a little bit. bit. I thought his motion looked a little stiff uh, as compared, and I did not think the ball popped out of his hand like I had seen in, year, in years past either. Uh, now, listen, that was day eight or nine of training yes. camp, and, and not everybody's trying to put on their A game for, for It that. was the first scrimmage. It was the first scrimmage, yes. And he did throw um, up a pretty weak ball to Jimmy Graham that he, got he did, but listen, I'm not going to sit here. This of is course, where we're of falling. Course, we're, of course, I know, I know. We're all falling in this trap anyways, which is very scary to me too because, like, you know, I, I – you, you watch any sports highlight thing, and it's now like, oh, Richard Sherman got beat one-on-one today in practice. Should we be concerned? Uh, no. Every corner in the history oh. of football gets beat one-on-one Have in you practice. done a video about Mariota or no? Uh, not recently. I'm taking a random detour, and I'm going to go for something cool in this podcast. Are you ready? So the big story was the fact that Marcus Mariota had not thrown an interception in all of training camp. Every day, Mariota, pickless again, defense, unable to stop Mariota. The kid's accuracy, decision-making, unparalleled. I mentioned this to Sims, and you know what he says? Not necessarily a good thing. Not a good thing at all. Why is it not a good thing? Listen, it's practice. Uh, you're not supposed to be perfect in practice. We're not playing for our quarterback rating. Uh, we know Marcus Mariota, you can throw the four-yard shallow cross and the six-yard in-cut and all those. Great. Let's work on the plays that will really help your football team. Let's push the ball down the field. Let's figure out your limitations within the offense. Let's figure out some receivers' limitations within the offense. Uh, if you're not throwing the ball down the field, and taking some of those chances, you're going to limit a lot of the explosive plays that you're your pass off. You're going to hurt your team, a la and Alex Smith with Kansas City. Oh, great, he didn't throw a lot of interceptions. You know what else he didn't do last year? He didn't throw a touchdown to a wide receiver. Oh, this just in, I would have took 10 interceptions for a few interse- uh, touchdowns, touchdowns to receivers. Yes, they leave a, an incredible, that would be my big issue with an Alex Smith. They leave an incredible amount of yards on the we field. We saw Derek Carr throwing him up, and he got. He, I think he got picked. I think we saw Romo maybe even get picked. 
pick. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. You got to push the limit now. Because if, if you're a quarterback who – this is what really, in essence, you're saying. If you're not willing to take a chance, when are you in, – in training camp, when if, are you ever going to take a chance? If you're not going to do it in training camp, then you ain't going to do it in fourth and eight in the AFC championship game. When you uh, nobody's open and I got to throw it – I got to throw the perfect throw and yeah. the 20-yard in cut or we're not going to the Super Bowl. So when, when – and I saw this. I saw this in Eagles training camp. They were doing completion percentage of all the quarterbacks in camp with touchdowns and interceptions. So stupid. Do not pay attention to the stats. Do not. We're looking at how are they athletically in shape? How do they look in pads? Uh, how are they reading and reacting? How quickly can they move? Exactly. You don't know if the receiver messed up a route you and have no idea. ends up an interception. And also, you got to remember, too, especially with veteran quarterbacks, let's say a Tony Romo who we saw or just a Tom Brady, for instance. Tom Brady, you might call this one play 10 days in a row, right? And he goes, you know what? I've thrown to this guy the last nine days. Right. I just – I don't care. I'm not – I don't care if he's wide open here. I want to throw. I want to feel the rest of the play. Yeah. So when I get on the field, if that first guy is not open, I have some rhythm to going to the second and third option. So there's going to be days. Yeah, quarterbacks are just going to say, you know what? I've thrown that shallow cross five days in a row. I want to. What's the in cut like behind it, or what's the seam on the other side? I want to get a feel for the play because yeah. at some point that defense might have to go trick to a second me. Read. Exactly yeah. right. So uh, I do. I, I you got to be a little careful with how you evaluate training camp. I loved the swag in Seattle um, Richard Sherman just walking around hair swinging around just lining up on the line of scrimmage first team reps Doug Baldwin is a cool dude man really cool really cool guy yep. had a chance to talk to him really appreciated him Marshawn Lynch is just galloping around practice in full sweats with a hood on and it's hot out and he's sweating in there but he's just jumping around and moving around and pointing at the crowd and dancing there was one part where he had uh there was a tight end like a second or third tier tight end with a ball and him and Marshawn were both grabbing onto it and pulling it to see who had the stronger hands and the guy said something and Marshawn looked at him and and did the whole i can't you know his skittles thing yeah his his skittles thing that's a weird story. But he's shuffling the Skittles in his hands. Yeah, that's exactly what he was doing. But he looks like he's doing something else. But Marshawn, Marshawn was awesome. Um, the big question about Seattle, I think, is that D-line depth, which is the same question that you had about him last year. Depth, uh, depth overall. I mean, I just think out of all the teams we saw, I think they have the biggest drop-off between first and second team, uh, both sides of the football. It doesn't even matter. Uh, but, yeah, there's a significant drop-off between Team 1 and Team 2. What, what positions um, were the biggest drop-offs? Yeah, I, I mean, defensive line, you certainly hit on that. Uh, I would even go as far as to say offensive line and the secondary in, in general as well. I mean, they're, even their backup linebackers uh, when they went in. It's yeah. not a very impressive group once you get by you know, Wagner, K.J. Wright, and uh, – and our man Bruce Irvin, after that, you go, eh, you know, they've just got a lot of other guys. Well, if you think about uh, Seattle. So death scares me. Yeah. Distractions scare me. What are you talking about? Cam Chancellor not being there. The yeah. amount of games, the physical nature and which they've played over the last three years. Sure. The LeBron uh, factor. I think, I think it all makes me lead to believe I will not pick Seattle to go to the Super Bowl this year. I know that for sure. Just from the training camp, yeah, they they concern me. I think this is a year they're gonna they're gonna just fall off a hair. If if you made me just bet on what I saw, yeah, I say this is a year they get to the playoffs, but they're a wild card team this year. Wow, yeah, maybe they win the NFC West, but it's still they're not going to be the one or two seed. If you made me bet, I'm betting Green Bay and Dallas are the one and two. Was seed. it simply the lack of depth that's I, causing you? I or think just yeah, lack the lack of depth. What was one of their strong suits to offensive line? There's major concern up there about there the offensive line. We, we, we had people we, tell tell us that. Yeah, we went so. there and uh, Novak, I believe, was center, and we talked to some people and said, "Is he the guy?" And they said, "Listen, they've been rotating trying to find out who the guy is, and when that's your center." That? That's a big change. When, when Max Unger has been the guy with Russell Wilson for so long, right. and I know it sounds like we're being negative at the Seahawks, but I think we're just being honest. And our, and our expectations are so high. So I mean, high. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the kings of the bandwagon you for know the Seahawks. What, you know what the San Francisco 49ers have that the, that the Seahawks do not? What? Is a middle class. And here's what I mean by this. Right. They've been drafting well for so long that they have a lot of guys making average salaries. They have some making high salaries, a lot making low, but they have a lot of the Darnell, Dockett, Ian Williams, middle-of-the-road salary. They do. Seahawks have famously top paid heavy. their own players, but they've kept – like they have that core of six or seven guys. The rest of the guys have not developed maybe as well – Like. 
I I came away thinking Cassius Marsh to me was a little bit underwhelming. Right. And and when I look over at in San Francisco, their car- uh, Cassius Marsh is Aaron Lynch. Right. And he was very physically imposing. Right. And I went, hmm, because if you're going to rely heavily on Cassius Marsh, that's going to be an issue in the running game. So I, I I don't think they have a middle class. Yeah. I they think have that's... the low paid guys and the high paid guys, and not a lot in between. Yes, uh, I think you're exactly right there. And yeah, uh, the one bright spot we did hear though from yeah people as much as we heard from some people how they're concerned about their offensive line. Yes. Uh, man, people were extremely excited about Frank Clark, uh, their, oh, their yeah. first pick in the draft, which he was a second, second rounder, rounder yeah. out of Michigan. But I think a lot. I mean, we heard a few guys say he's a lot like Michael Bennett. He can yeah. play a lot of different positions and you know how highly i think of Michael yeah we, we we sound like we're not, look it, the way i take it is i think the defense if they stay healthy with those pieces can be extremely dominant yet again definitely Earl thomas cam all those guys sherman um uh, carrie williams excited for a second if they can stay healthy yes. they're, they're going to be right in the thick of things but, but i do think their offense they're and taking defensive lines are, are a little bit questionable yeah well they're the thing i'll say about their defensive line you know yeah there might not be great depth on the outside of the d-line but i they're not their tackles the tackles if they stay healthy with me bain by rubin yeah uh, jordan hill uh michael bennett gets in that it's a good group yeah is there uh, that's a very good group now michael bennett's really listed as a dn yes but they can shuffle some things around they just have to stay healthy because that's what would really scare me. We're now them. like two, three weeks into training camp. We're you know got some preseason going on. Um, what what is the mindset of an NFL player right now? They're like, oh my gosh, please preseason game number one, please get here. I just I please just to hit somebody else. Hit somebody else. You break up the monotony of the everyday training camp schedule. You'll probably get a day off after the preseason game. Yeah. Uh, for the veteran established starters, the preseason game itself is like a day off because uh, the you know Nick Mangold. They're gonna play one series. They're gonna play you know Nick Mangold's of the world or yes. you know the. Navarro Bowman's, they're going to play 10 plays and be done, and then they're, it's basically a day off. Uh, so, yes, they like that. And then when you get to that first preseason game, the schedule has changed, so the week starts getting easier because now, oh, we're done with that preseason game. We're going to watch the tape of our preseason game two days back. Then we got to get ready for another preseason game. So now you're starting to see the end or the light in the tunnel as far as training camp's concerned, and that's really, especially the veteran players, that's all they care I about. I just want to know, now that you guys have gone through all four stops on your trip, for each of you, what was your favorite moment of the trip out to the West Coast? The whole trip? The whole trip could be interview, could be car ride, could when be When I meal. landed back in JFK. Oh, <laughs> no, true. My favorite tr- part of the trip. Oh, I know my favorite part of the trip. Uh, my, mm, I don't know if that's 100% sure, but I really liked the first stop when we were in Santa Monica yes. at the Dallas Cowboys. We were getting ready to go there. But, man, we went out into the ocean, the Pacific Ocean. That's and then the true. next day I got a morning workout on the beach like a real California surfer yeah, dude. You we, know were, how- we were all in the ocean like a bunch of kids like trying to catch waves. That was pretty good. It was fun. That's cool. But the what, ca- Where's the video of this? The workout thing's we cool. You know how videos. they sell like little, little workout stations on the beach in California? Yeah. You do pull-ups. You could do rings. Were you doing that with the guys? I, I did it. I was out there being a real California. Yeah, we did beach it. bum. No, no, they did not. <laughs> anyone, uh, anyone recognize you? Uh, not when I was working out. Uh, no. I'll say this: that was a funny part of the training camp tour was going around and having people like yell at us and stuff. Dallas's was funny because you had so many Texas fans that were all over Sims. And there was one time this kid calls me up and goes, "Hey, Adam, can you come and sign this right next to Sims?" And I was like, "Yeah, man." And uh, I said, "Sure." And he goes, "You're an Eagles fan, right?" And as he said that, like the entire area around this is at Dallas Cowboys training camp, like looked at me and I went, Yep. And they all were like, Boo. And I was like, I don't care. I'm signing your thing. I love great. it. Love but it, it. That, that was cool. Like Raiders camp, like a bunch of people were like, Hey, Bleach Khalil Report. Mack in his interview was really awesome. Khalil Mack he was, was awesome. fun. Khalil Mack's uh, a great Amari guy. Cooper was the exact opposite and couldn't oh have been. God. He was the worst interview I've I, ever. I saw the raw footage of this where he just looked like he had no interest in so talking So we don't know what happened because we sat down with Amari Cooper. And what we try and do is we want to gas you up. Man, we think you're so good. So nice sitting down with her. And he was just like, Thanks. And I was like, damn. Mark. And he's not like that normally, right? I don't he's, know. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's like a nice I mean, he's, yeah, he was in a bad mood that day. So that was one of the worst interviews ever. Yeah. Uh, Doug Baldwin, though, looked at us and was like, I appreciate you guys talking to me like a human being. That was awesome. Uh, they were That's just, about the nicest compliment a member of the media can get from yeah. a football player. Well, because I, and I asked the same question to him and Romo, and I asked them because, and I've said this to you before, 
NFL athletes, professional athletes, legitimately believe the phrase one day at a time. They live by it. It's incredible. I can't do it. I'm living eight days at a time. I'm trying to get to one. <laughs> but so I asked him, I said, everyone's going to ask you about your past, the last Super Bowl, or the future, getting to the next Super Bowl. How do you stay in the present? And him and Romo both looked at me and were like, this guy gets one day at a time. And it was just, it was funny because the thing, not only are the players constantly getting beaten down in practice, then they go and talk to the media and they're probably talking about the dumbest stuff ever. I mean, they're talking about what, what is the pressure right now on you? What are, what are your expectations? Like these, these grand notions that no one can talk about. Uh, the pressure, I don't know. I, you know, it's really overwhelming. Can't handle it. <laughs> Leave me alone. Right. It's weird. It's weird. Um, how far are we away from a video podcast? Uh, September 9th, the day before the regular season starts, is the day that we have targeted as our first video podcast. So we're inside of a month before this this operation appears on camera. Very exciting. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, can I ask one more question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to get started to get the preseason games. I imagine that on this podcast, we're going we're gonna to be breaking down teams and preseason games and all that stuff. How should a fan watch a preseason game? Uh, I, I, you know, listen, watch the game, enjoy it. it. Just take into take into the fact that the second and third team, you know, if you see a quarterback go out there and tear up the third team, remember they're third teamers for a reason, and a lot of those guys won't be on the field. So know that there's a huge, significant talent drop between the second and third team. So if you see your starting quarterback out there, oh man, he struggled tonight in the first two series, and then my yeah. backup was awesome. Uh, listen, that's a that's a huge jump in talent. But if I'm watching the first quarter and it's first team versus first team, right? Should I be looking at the play calls? Should I be looking at at the performances? Like what? what Just can look I really at the, phys- the physical performance because so often in these first, especially the first two preseason games, the the play calling is very vanilla. There's going to be no schematical advantage at okay. all. Uh, in fact, the coaches have probably talked about some of the formations and defenses they might call during the game just to say, hey. We're only going to call these four defenses. The opposing coaches? Yes, there's conversations that will wow. go on. Yes, there will be throughout the week as far as, yes. When do you want to take the number twos out and put the number threes in? Gotcha. Let me call blah, blah, blah and see what you would like to and do. And would you say, like, watch the lines and see if your offensive line is able, is creating a pocket and if the defensive line is not even just getting sacks I, but creating pressure? I, I think, yes, offense and defensive line, listen, just evaluate them as specimens. Are, are they moving people out of the way? Are they getting driv- driven back? But also as a fan, take note that the defense, advantage, the defense line will always have the advantage in the first two preseason games. They're usually further along. Like I've always said, the offense has to work as a unit. The defense can kind of be four rounds. Renegades. Attack. Yes, yeah. attack. We don't have anything to worry about. We're going to do some different stunts that they're not game planning for us, so they haven't even practiced some of these stunts up front. Sure. When we do the TN, you know, a tackle end stunt, whatever it may be. So you got to be a little careful as far as just judging that. All right, awesome. Uh, I had a great time on the tour. I learned a lot, and I'm excited to see these guys in action. Uh, we're going to be doing this again next week, as we always do, and now we're inside of a month bet- before this thing's going to video, which I'm so excited. You already have makeup on. You're ready to go. I'm ready. You're ready to go. All right, Simsy. Peace out. Fendi. Good night, everybody. All right. Uh, hit us up on the Twitter, at Sims and Lefko. Um, We're going to make sure Fendrick reads them. To uh, Seahawks Scout, I'm sorry we missed you. I know that you wanted to see us really bad. We wanted to see you too. Yeah, we did. It was a crazy day. He was he there that day though? I don't think so. He was not. He yeah, was he never yelled he couldn't at us. Make it. Okay. All right. Um, if you have any other things too, hit us up on Twitter. We'll talk about it. Uh, for now, Sims and Lefko. Peace. Peace.